Hey, when was the last time you made a great memory? Great memories often don't just happen. I'm TJ Reed from Vitamin Lead, and I want to invite you to join us February 29th, Leap Day, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. in downtown Norfolk for our seminar, How to Create a Memorable Life. You can RSVP on our Facebook page on Vitamin Lead on Facebook, uh, or you can email us at vitaminleadteam at gmail.com. We would love to have you join us on February 29th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. to learn how to create a memorable life. What's up, everybody? This is TJ Reed, and you are listening to Vitamin Leads, your healthy dose of leadership. We are on a mission to help you develop consistency, a thriving career, and to find company for the journey as a leader. Join us and leaders from over 300 cities around the world as we now dive into Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. I'm your host, TJ Reed, and I am excited. We're a couple weeks now into 2020. Can you believe it? It has been awesome so far. I hope you enjoyed our interview last week with Bill Coletti. And next week, we're going to be sharing our interview with Kim Addis. It's a wonderful start here to uh, the year. Coming up in February, we have our interview with the CEO and COO of Advanced Life Skills, Mike Moran and Greg Rousseau. Uh, Then the following week, we'll be talking about uh, mental health in the workplace with Stefan Grenier from Canada. And we'll wrap up February by talking to Jason True about it's all about people. And so we have some exciting things coming up here. And then for those of you in the Hampton Roads area, don't forget that the last Saturday of February, Leap Day, February 29th, we're going to be doing a special seminar here in the Hampton Roads area. And so I hope that you will check it out. Uh, Hit up our event page on Facebook and plan to spend some time with us. Today, I'm excited to share my interview with Dr. Bob Habib. He's a close personal friend. Uh, We've worked together, and Bob is the Senior Director of the Military and Veterans Affairs, as well as uh, Professor for the School of Business and Leadership in the College of Arts and Sciences at a major national university. He has served over 21 years in the U.S. Army, spending 10 years as an educator for the Armed Forces School of Music. While he was there, he taught and mentored over 2,000 service members while developing new curriculum for numerous resident and non-resident courses. Along with his deployments to Saudi Arabia and Bosnia-Herzegovina, he managed to navigate his way through school, utilizing many of the educational benefits offered to service members, and he always promoted the importance of higher education to his soldiers. He's been a teacher. He served the DOD as an instructional designer for mid- and senior-level leadership courses. He earned his BA in music and MA in liberal arts from Thomas Edison State College. Uh, He earned a master's in education and a doctor in strategic leadership from Regent University. Bob resides with his wife, Teresa, who is a United States Marine Corps veteran, and their youngest son. Their oldest son is currently serving as an officer in the United States Army. I'll tell you what, guys, this is a fun one. Bob and I love talking leadership, and he just wrote a book uh, that's a choose-your-own-adventure leadership book. Did you ever like those as a kid? Uh, I know I certainly did, and so uh, I hope that you'll enjoy the conversation that we have, 
and that you'll learn a little bit about uh, how you choose to do things as a leader in whatever circumstances you find yourself. So uh, we'll take it away here, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bob, and we will talk to you real soon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Vitamin Leads, your healthy dose of leadership. I'm your host, TJ Reed, and I'm excited today to have our first ever doctor on Vitamin Lead, Dr. Bob Habib. Bob, thanks for being here today. Thanks, TJ. appreciate being here and uh, just uh, honored to be part of your community and um, looking forward to this great discussion. Well, that's awesome. Um, Bob, we've told him a little bit about you, but why don't you just share a little bit about yourself and kind of where you're at in your mission in life here and what you're up to? Sure, thanks. So I'm I was, I, I prefaced most of my conversations by telling people that I was a terrible high school student. And to this day, my mom actually doesn't believe I graduated high school. So, you know, blessings and, and man, I'm thankful for actually getting through that way. So um, I determined that early on that a, a traditional college experience wasn't for me. I didn't really have good work ethic or discipline and didn't really know what I was doing. So I decided to join the Army. Uh, I did that for about 22 years and I served in various capacities, a lot of leadership capacities all over the country, all over the world and different um, organizations. And so I got a really good glimpse of some great uh, examples of leadership as well as some very terrible ones and, and things in between. And so I was really thankful to have those experiences uh, in, in real world environments. And then when I transitioned from the army, um, I've done many things. I, I landed originally as a public school teacher um, and I, I learned a lot of great lessons both professionally and, and personally from that experience. I've done contract work for the Department of Defense. Uh, and then now I'm like in the in sort of the, the, the higher ed business sector of like really enjoying like what that looks like and, and serving our, uh, our community in, in this fashion. Because I feel like, um, you know, our community uh, needs strong leaders in every discipline, in every industry. And then like I'm trying to do my part uh, to, to continue to move our community forward. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that about you. Um, I guess one of, one of the, uh, the questions that we love asking people that are vitamin lead is we have a lot of people that are young in their career. So could you tell us about an early job that you had and maybe a lesson that you learned from that early job? Sure, absolutely. So one of the organizations uh, I was a part of um, was it's pretty high uh, operation tempo. Like we did a lot, very highly productive and um, we had a, a new leader that came in uh, to take over this organization and he immediately rubbed people the wrong way. Uh, and I don't know if it was his personality or his leadership style at the time. I really didn't know what was causing that. But to his credit, after about six months, he, he, he put out this solicitation that said, hey, I'm going to be inviting each one of you to come into my office. And, and I'm going to ask you, like, how I'm doing as a leader. And then I'm, I'm hoping that you provide me some great feedback. And so I was very excited about the opportunity because I had a lot of things to say. Most of them were going to be negative. Right? <laughs> so I was very excited about, you know, when this opportunity was going to come. So you fast forward about six to eight months later, and everybody seemed to have an opportunity but me. So I was I was kind of upset about that. And I kept waiting and waiting, and my day never came. Until it was time for me to, I was actually then like leaving, I was leaving this opportunity to go to another organization. And at that time, you did like an exit interview, and I got the opportunity to have the exit interview with this leader. And so in that exit interview, he asked me, so is there anything else I can do for you? And I said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, I was kind of upset that you never invited me to your office as you were as you were getting your feedback to kind of give you my insight and feedback on your leadership and he said oh, i i didn't realize i had missed that and so i i said well you know i have the time right now if you'd like to discuss it <laughs> and so he said absolutely i would love to hear from you and he said um basically hey I, I want you to tell me like be honest and tell me good feedback because that's how we all learn as leaders and so i took that opportunity way too far 
I, I basically used the opportunity. I, I unloaded on this gentleman. I, I threw everything out there. All the, everything negative I could think of um, from my perceptions of his leadership, I just, I just threw it out there. It was terrible. It was one thing after another. Just like, like literally, I'm like, I'm burning this bridge. I'm never going to see this guy again. No, <laughs> never. Right. So, so my advice to you right now is never do this. Right. You, you want to be honest with your leaders, but anyways, I, I was overly, I was oversharing, and I was, I was doing that. But I thought that that's what he was asking. Of course, that wasn't received well, and so I left his office thinking I got to, I was the better of, of a person now, and I had to let him know what I felt. Um, and so, at the end of the story, then you fast forward about ten years. I was in a part of another organization, and guess who came to be my new boss? Oh, was was this guy? And so you you just never know. Um, luckily, it was a great learning experience for both of us. But um, as a as a young leader, you know, I've learned that you know you don't one you don't want to ask the you don't want to ask the questions that you don't want to answer. And then two, if you ask the question, you have to be okay with giving the answer that you're not thinking. Because that's how really how we grow. And I did, and while that's an important lesson for leadership across every discipline and every every you know scope of influence, you you have a responsibility as a leader and a follower to do that in a way that's professional, that's tactful, and that really is going to be received in in some form of as a positive. Hey, like this is this is a way we can move together forward. And, um, and I just failed miserably at that, and so I learned a lot from that experience. On this end, maybe has some maybe makes some missteps in the way they communicate with you. Do you think we have a responsibility to be more patient with those folks and not have such thin skin, or how would you respond to yourself back then, right now? Wow, that's a great question. So I, yes, first of all, as a leader, we need to have thick skin. We're gonna because we're gonna get it wrong some of the time. And sometimes you're going to get it wrong a lot of the time. Like it's okay, right? You just you just don't know. You have to be flexible, and you have to be willing to hear and to have those difficult conversations with people. And so I try to surround myself with who I call like accountability colleagues or accountability partners from various levels within my organization, folks that I know that will come into my office and shut the door and literally tell me how it is. They're gonna they're gonna be just totally brutally honest with me and make me hear things I don't want to hear. And the, great, and the great thing about that is then regardless of what I decide as a leader, I know that because I trust them, they're going to go out and support that, you know, with 100% and, you know, excitement and, and like authenticity. But behind closed doors, you need people to come and tell you, you know, like if you're on the right path or you're on the wrong path and be willing to have those difficult conversations. That requires a significant amount of trust and relational ability between you and your followers. And that's something that you can build over time. But I highly encourage you to have some thick skin. And then to, to, to solicit and to build trust with your followers where they feel like somewhat comfortable that they can have some of those conversations. How can they develop that trust with their boss? That they would be one of the people that they would call on. Hey, I, I'm going to be able to speak truth to you at this point. What, what, what do you look for? going to do that for you. Sure. Well, I look for people that, one, um, when they first are, are first part of your organization and at every level they serve that they're owning, they, they own everything within their, their lanes, right? So the good and the bad. So they, they're willing to take ownership of what they're responsible for. And then when things go south, they take ownership immediately of when they go south. They don't pawn that stuff off on other people. So I look for people that are accountable to themselves and that, that hold themselves accountable to their teams. Beyond that, then you have to, you have to be willing as a follower 
to find ways in which and avenues in which you can build relationships with your followers. And that and that that requires a responsibility from a leader to say, not only do I have an open door policy, but I I I'm accessible. Like I'm I'm engaged with you regularly. So you don't have to specifically come to my door and knock. Like I want to be accessible as a leader. And so as a follower, you have to be willing to take advantage of those opportunities. And sometimes they're very small and very short, short-lived because you may have five seconds to engage with a leader at that particular yeah. week. And that's okay, but then take the opportunity. So I think the biggest thing is demonstrate that you're willing to own everything within the scope and then go beyond that. And then also, almost more importantly, is really take ownership of the things that go wrong uh, because that's how you develop trust uh, with your leaders and your followers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard and it's a hard pill to swallow. When things go wrong, a lot of people look for ways to, to say, well, this really wasn't my fault. Like I had no control over this. And as opposed to saying, yeah, technically that's under my purview, so I own all of that, regardless if I even knew about it. And if it, re- return, if it turns out that I knew nothing about that, well, then that's my fault too. Like, you know, so you have to be willing to just take ownership of all the good and the bad. Um, and just own up to your mistakes. It doesn't mean that we always look to make mistakes, but when you're willing to own them and, and just say, okay, this is what I learned from this, this, this misstep, and this is what I'm going to correct it, it, it puts you in a much better position, not only from a work, like a, a work and productivity, but from a trust level, you're, get, you're likely going to develop more trust with your leader. Absolutely. Because one of the, one of the key things in, in any organization is I don't want my leaders to have to do my job. That's why I'm here. Uh, and so, yes, you do have to escalate issues sometimes. Of course you do. But the reality is I'm going to try to own everything, again, with the good and the bad. And so I'm gonna, I, I might have to escalate something and say, hey, we've had this issue. This is what happened, and this is what I've done to correct the problem. And maybe that correction was not right either, but at least I attempted to do something to, to make it. Yeah, for sure. You wrote this book right here. You thought all leaders were the same until this happened. <laughs> I love this because this is a choose-your-own-adventure leadership series. I don't know how many of our vitamin lead books out there uh, read choose-your-own-adventure books that I did, and I love the fact that you well, thanks. I it's, it's been a great experience. I the idea just sort of dawned on me that you know there's millions of leadership books out there, and there a lot of them are very high level, like they're conceptual in nature, and then they require a lot of significant thought with complex issues. But I thought that the reality is most people love to hear stories, and probably more than that, they like to tell stories, and they want to know that they they can uh, relate to like what's happening. So. The idea sort of dawned on me, like, man, if I was a leader or a follower, like, what would I do in these situations? I would hear some crazy stories from people tell me about things that happened in their lives or in their organizations. And I would say, I can't believe that happened to you. And then what did the leader do? And they tell me what the leader did. And it was just like, that, there's no way that happened. And I realized through those conversations that I had so many of these stories myself through, through um, my experiences. And so, one, it was therapeutic to write these stories down. But two, I wanted to give people an opportunity to say, look, at some basic level, we're all leaders. Some of us are more effective than others. Some of us fail more than others. Some of us are more relational than others. But at some level, we're, we, we all have some function or some, some sort of uh, facet of leadership in our, in our person. And so I wanted to be able to say, regardless of what level you are, if you consider yourself a leader or not, I wanted you to, to feel like you had a say in what happened. And so the, the great thing is in, in the book like this, there's no right or wrong answer. It's literally like, Here's a situation that happened. Tell me what you would do as a leader. And sometimes you're going to find that it's, 
hey, best practices or all these research-driven things say, that's what you should do. The book says to make this decision. And as it turned out, the leader didn't do that, but the end result was spectacular. So no book would ever tell you to do it, but, but this person did something completely opposite and it turned out great. You're also gonna find that you may select where, this is what I would do because it makes sense, it's logical. And as it turned out, that's what the book would tell you what to do. And as it turned out, the end result was awesome. So it's very, sometimes those, all those stars align. But the, the, the benefit of, of a storytelling concept is like, these are real stories that happen. But as, as told through stories, you can really envision yourself. Like, I think that these things happen across all industries, across all people, all levels. You put yourself in those situations and really say, what would I do as a person in this situation? What makes the most sense? And I think you'll be surprised at what you find. Mm. That's interesting. <laughs> I, it, it happens because, you know, it's not like you can be in the midst of a conversation with somebody and hit that kind of like transformational point, that transformational cliff. So like you can go, hey, hold right there. I need to go back and consult my leadership book from my class. That's right. You, what we typically fail to realize as people is that the, the person that's best equipped to make a decision is the person that's directly involved with the situation. The person that has the relationship either with the other person across the table, if it's like conflict management, or just ha is, is, is involved with the nuts and bolts. They just, they're just well aware of all the, the external forces at play here. And a book is not gonna tell you that. A book can't sense uh, what someone's feeling. A book can't give you your gut instinct. A book doesn't tell you those things. It tells you best practices would dictate. If all things were equal, this is a, a likely outcome. Uh, and as people, we need to rely on like our instincts. Uh, and that's important. We need to rely on the relationships that we've built with people. Th those are the things that are gonna drive your decisions most of the time, more so than any what any individual does. Absolutely. Well, so I, I say that you know the instinct is like the fundamental sort of cornerstone of, of how you start building your leadership philosophy or your, your leadership ideas or how you even start making decisions. Most people say, yeah, that just doesn't feel right to me. And most of the time that's accurate. Where, you, where, where education and understanding of best practices and understanding um, research and even like um, what other people have commented from experiential based information about leadership is that you start to gain an understanding of why some of the things are happening. So it, it, for me, it's helped me, it's armed me to be more proactive as opposed to be reactionary all the time. I think leaders, especially young leaders, get in the habit of just being, well, we're reactionary. So when a problem comes up, then I have to go solve the problem. But if you, have a, if you, if you start getting a better sense of why change is going to cause problems or why you know, this corrective conversation is going to be difficult because the person that's sitting across the table with you views conflict management completely different than you you're not going to know how to approach the conversation that well. Like your gut instinct is going to tell you something's wrong, but you, you won't really know why it's wrong and it's going to frustrate you. And so I found that like learning and understanding people, the dynamics of culture, the dynamics of change management, those things help, has really helped me better understand how to approach those conversations and how to approach challenges and stuff. And has allowed me to be significantly more proactive as opposed to. Learning is kind of like that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, it's like this, you know, you're never going to be armed with every piece of information that you're going to need to know for every situation because there's just, there's just so many variables in life. But all you can try to do is take the experiences that you do have 
and, and do a better job of understanding the people in which you surround yourself with. And then understand like human theory, like why people think the way they do, how they, why they react this way. And, 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 and also understand how or what type of impact the decisions you make are going to have on your team and your organization. That's stuff that's super valuable, you know, when having conversations. You know, it, it, the, the most tangible way to say it is like there's a book, it's called Getting to Yes. And I, I can't remember the author, but it's basically about conflict resolution. And I've actually used that book when I, when I went to purchase cars. Like, huh, how do I get to the end of the day where I come away with the car I want without feeling like I got totally taken advantage of? And also make the dealer also feel like it was, a, it was an amicable, you know, this was, a, this was a great conclusion. Like, I got what they, I wanted. They got what they wanted. The car got sold. It's, it, we, all, we all come away with a victory here. And so it's, but it's really the tools. And sometimes the tools we don't, we can't get through just gut instincts. So the gut instincts is the foundation, but then the learning and the, and the education that we go through to try to better understand provides us more tools. Um, we have a lot of younger leaders and aspiring leaders in consulting. What do you believe is most important for a young leader to focus on? Let's say this is their first leadership position. What would you say, focus on this? Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I really think it boils down to, okay, I'm going to pick one since you required one. So we have to be humble, right? And, and it's a big umbrella of humility. And, and I say that because, you know, you hear these terms like you need to be a lifelong learner. You have to be willing to, um, to just sit and listen. You have to be willing to observe. Like those all are all components of humility. So it's, it's humility beyond you know, just not bragging about yourself or taking, you know, uh, getting the earning kudos for things that your team is doing. It's, it's not that type of humility. It's more of like understanding that you don't know a ton of stuff and that understanding that you're not going to solve all the world's problems by yourself and understanding that you're going to make mistakes and, and be okay with those things and, and, and come to the table and looking, look for, look for people to help, look for your leaders, lean on your leaders, lean on your followers, right? It's so if you approach your work, and your leadership and life in general from with a sense of humility from this overarching bubble that you're always willing to learn that you're always willing to say i actually just don't know you know help me out that that is likely um one of the most critical things you can do especially as a young person because we don't even as we mature in age in an experience new experiences require us a new sense of humility you know, you're, gonna, you're gonna write a i mean you know like if, if i look if i take this book as an example you know, I don't consider myself an author, but I just had some cool ideas I thought I could share with people. And the process of writing a book required me to be super humble. I ate a lot of humble pie in the last year of my life because I just didn't know about these things. Now, I could have approached it by saying, well, hey, I'm, I have all this experience. I'm educated. I know, and I know these great people. And they got, but I could have just done it by myself. But the reality is there were so many people that, that come alongside you that you stand on the shoulders of people. And that requires a sense of humility. Um, so you have to like come out strong with your opinions so that you tasted humility or people like said that's probably not good or or how did you how did you come up come into the humble state? Um it takes a lot of um, failure. It, it takes where I where I come out and say this is how we're gonna do things or this is what I'm gonna do. And fortunately I I've been, you know, um I, I've been just been super thankful for people who coming to my life and said, no, like that, you're an idiot, <laughs> you know? And so, but, those <laughs> absolutely. It's so, it's so necessary, you know, like, it, because we don't, we don't, 
we don't keep ourselves in check enough, right? So I've been just fortunate to have people that are willing to just tell me that I'm in here. Like, no, you really shouldn't do it this way. And, you know, when, when, when words come at me like that, yeah, I don't like to hear those things. But the reality is it makes me pause and I, I take a look. So approaching it we're like, yes, you want to be confident and strong in your ideas. That's, that's important. But when you get the feedback that says, okay, hey, this is good, this is good, but you really want to adjust your thinking on this, you can't be so confident in your ideas that you're married to them and that you're not willing to move, um, especially when, when you have an accountability partner or a person in your life or even just the average person walking down the street. You know, hey, that's not the best way to do that. So I, I, I have this, this, this quick story. When I was living in Europe, uh, I, was, I, I drove um, to actually Belgium. And when I was leaving the, the, the city of Brussels, I had to fill up the car with gas. Okay? So I pull in the gas station. And this is a Belgian uh, gas station. I don't, you know, my, my foreign language skills are terrible. So anyways, the, the nozzle of the gas pump didn't fit in my car. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. So I go inside and I go to the teller and I'm, I'm trying my best to explain this to him, really in German, uh, telling him I needed a funnel. So I could put the funnel in the in the car and then fill it in. And he sort of talked to me and then eventually he just started speaking English, which I was super thankful for. He said, so you want a funnel? I was like, yes. And he was like, yes, I could give you a funnel, but you're not going to like the end result. I was like, okay. I said, look, I, I'm a grown man. I know how to pump gas. And he was like, let me just tell you something. If I give you a funnel and you pump that gas in your car, 10 miles down the road, you're going to die because you're trying to put leaded gasoline in your unleaded vehicle. That's why the nozzle doesn't fit. So if you want a funnel, take the funnel. And he handed me the funnel. <laughs> he said, otherwise, I would recommend you go to the next pump and you'll find that, that that nozzle fits in your car. Right? So again, those are very small life challenges. But had that person not been willing to just say, yeah, you're an idiot, I would have done the wrong thing. And he would have provided exactly what I asked for. So as a leader, be careful what you ask for. Allow your, your people around you to feed into you and, and to give you course corrections because it's super important. Absolutely. You, it's, so it's humbling. And so for me to go home and tell my wife that the gas attendant you know, basically saved my life. Mm -hmm. Like that's humbling, right? I mean, like you know, it's it's yeah. you just never know. And so, imagine that, like in your organization, in your companies and businesses, you know, when you're getting started as a young leader, you know, seek surround yourself with people that are willing to do it. But then you also have to be willing to do that again in a professional, tactical way. Yeah. Why don't you tell us one story, or maybe give us a cliffhanger from the book <laughs> that will. Uh, Give us a quick insight so that people can be excited to read this book. You thought all leaders are the same until they Sure. So there's, you know, um, one of my um, favorite stories is it, it, the premise is that I was, it was in the military, and in the military leadership is is, I, I would I would argue that it's significantly more structured, or the expectation in that leadership is more structured than in the civilian one. So uh, this particular situation, um, the leader here. Uh, came to my office um, and there was a team of us and basically said, hey, I'm going to take over the logistical planning of this uh, mission that you had. And we are, we were the operations and logistical planners for this. That was our job. But the, the, the commander, the, the leader came in and told us, I'm going to take this over because I have a point of 
context, so I'm going to own it. And this is a terrible idea because we're the subject matter experts. Right? We know all what, what's required to make these things happen. He didn't know anything about it. So as a young leader, I looked to my direct supervisor and I said, well, there's no way we're going to let this happen. And what he told me was, he said, sometimes you have to let the system fail. He just said it like this. And I said, I can't believe we're going to let this ship go down like this. And he said, sometimes you have to let the system fail. So you fast forward, let's say six months, and now it's mission day. We've had, we've had nothing to do with this whatsoever. We all get on the bus and the trucks, and we load them up, and we head out to the mission. And then we get to the mission site, and it was apparent that we had missed our window of opportunity to engage this mission. We had, we had missed it. Basically, we were late is what it boiled down to. So the commander looks at my supervisor and tells him, hey, you need to get out there and go figure out what's going on. And my boss, my supervisor, looked at him and said, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. And again, the commander said, you know, sir, you need to get off this bus and go out there and find out what's going on. And he looked at him and said, this is your screw up. You deal with it. And he sat there like he just crossed his arms and just sat there. So the question I pose in the book is, if you're that subordinate leader, what are you going to do? Are you going to do what your boss is telling you to do? Or are you going to stick your, are you going to stick your ground and then see what happens? So I encourage you to think about what would you do in that situation? Uh, and then feel free. I would love for you to read the book and tell me what, what you pick. <laughs> okay, Bob. So one last question for you. Uh, vitamin lead, our tagline is your healthy dose of leadership. What is healthy leadership? That's a great question. Um, and so I will say that healthy leadership revolves around relationships. Hmm. In any business, any organization, any company, regardless of discipline or industry, nothing gets done without relationships. Hmm. You, can't, you can't buy a car without having a relationship with somebody. You're building a rapport with that salesman. That's how that transaction occurs. If you're a global business, you can't have uh, business transactions unless you have a relationship and an understanding of the culture. If you're a, a, middle man, a middle manager working for a business and that requires management of people, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna be able to manage those people or lead those people effectively unless you have a relationship with them. And we're not talking about you're going out to dinner and movies every night. We're talking about understanding who your people are, understanding what motivates them, understanding how they engage with your culture, understanding what, what they're passionate about, what makes them tick. Those are the things, because ultimately as a leader, you're going to use, you're going to use that information to create better relationships in it, and which ultimately builds a better sense of trust. And when you have that sense of trust, your, your, your leaders and followers are going to be more willing to come to you with challenges and victories. And then it creates a, a much better sense of collaboration. And ultimately, you get, you get everyone behind this one unified mission. Like this is, this is what culture is all about. So if there's one thing I'm going to leave you with is that be relational, be accessible, and be willing to have relationships with your people. It's not, it, it's not some myth. It's not some rocket science thing. It's just understand your people and be willing to be accessible and be willing to be there for them and serve them in ways that they feel valued, appreciated, and that they're willing to, to do those things for you and your organization. Because no organization uh, thrives if the, if the people that are driving the train aren't willing or wanting to do it. It just won't happen. So take a healthy dose of relationship building um, you know, and do that every day. Be intentional. Uh, I'll leave you with this. There, there's like a misnomer, a myth about I have an open door policy. Right. When you have an open door policy, you're, you're assuming that, some, that one of your followers is going to be willing to actually come to your door and then find you and then go into your, this, this intimidating office that you have or whatever. Like that's your home turf. 
you're not, that's not inviting. That's not accessible. Your open door policy should be in place. But what that means is that you're openly and regularly out engaging with your employees and your followers. You're building those relationships at their levels. You're not requiring them to come to your level to try to build a relationship. So be relatable and be genuine in that how you're supposed to be. Thank you, sir. So we've brought all leaders are the same until this happened. Dr. Bob Habib, Bob, where can we find this and where can we find you online? Sure. Well, thanks again, TJ, and um, all you folks out there with Vitamin Lee. Um, yeah, you can find the book on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and both ebook or print versions. Um, and you can also connect with me directly on bobhabib.net. I'd love to be able to carry on the conversation and to kind of see how we can work together to to just keep improving our communities and our businesses. Thank you to you listeners there on Vitamin Lee. We look forward to working with you real soon.